Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, that will be our first reading this morning. Today we're going to be continuing a series of lessons we started a couple of weeks ago looking at lessons from Proverbs. In one of our lessons we looked at wisdom and then we looked at knowledge and instruction. And we saw in those lessons how wisdom is the most important thing that the writer of Proverbs talks about, followed very closely with knowledge and instruction. I hope we understand that these things must be based upon something. We can't just pick and choose what we want to to be wise. We don't pick and choose which instructions we want to follow. They have to come from somewhere. They have to be based upon something. And so that leads us into our lesson this morning, looking at the idea of truth. Truth is going to be the topic that we speak about this morning. Truth is going to be the main thing that we look at, and we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs in just a little bit. Very quickly, as we've done throughout this entire series, let's ask ourselves, what is truth? If I were to ask you, how would you define truth? What would you say? If you go to the dictionary, the dictionary defines truth as that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. Two things to note from this definition that I like to point out. First and foremost, truth is not based upon feelings. It's not based upon emotions. It's not based upon, well, I feel like truth should be this. No, that's not what truth is based upon. Truth is based upon fact or reality. And the second thing I'd like you to point out about truth, truth is not established by the majority. Truth is not defined by, well, the majority of people think this way, therefore it must be truth. Truth doesn't care about majority rule. Truth does not care if most people believe a certain way. That has no bearing on truth. But truth is a very unpopular concept, I believe, in our society. I think more and more we're seeing people shy away from truth because what truth does is truth draws a very hard line. Truth says that if we say that this is true, based upon fact or reality, then anything that's not truth, what does that become? It becomes false. If it's not truth, then it's a lie. People don't like that. People don't like those hard lines being drawn. We want to muddy it. We want gray areas. We don't like taking a hard stance saying, if this is true, then everything else has to be a lie. We don't like to do that in a lot of different areas, but especially when it comes to religious matters. People have an attitude of truth. Well, what is truth? In John chapter 18, and remember last Sunday when we had our shortened service, we kind of talked about this a little bit. But here in John chapter 18, as Jesus is standing before Pilate, so many people today have the same attitude of Pilate did, or that Pilate did, about truth. In verse 37, Jesus makes a very pointed statement about truth. In verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness... To the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now notice Pilate's question there in verse 38. Pilate said to him, What is truth? 
Jesus says, he bears witness of truth. All those who are of the truth will hear his voice. Pilate's reaction, well, what is truth? As we've already said, so many people want to have that same attitude today. What is truth? You know, what is really true? People want truth to be relative. And what we mean by relative is that people want to say, well, you have your truth. I have my truth. You know, let's just all play nice together. You know, you'll believe what you want to believe. You'll have your truth, and then I'll have my truth. And they're all truth. But my question is, how can things that directly contradict one another both be considered truth? How can two things, if they're completely opposite, if they directly contradict one another, how can both of those things be truth? They can't. And that's the point. When you look at the religious world, think about some of the major religions that we see in the world today. Understand when I say Christianity, I'm throwing a very wide net. Just Christianity in general, people who consider themselves to be Christians. Does Christianity have a lot of agreement with the religion of Islam? Do we believe that we have a lot in common when it comes to religious teachings, religious doctrines, as someone who is a Muslim? Or what about Hinduism? You know, a lot of scholars will argue that Hinduism is the oldest religion in the world. I disagree with that, obviously. I believe that belief in God is the oldest religion. But be that as it may, people will argue and say, well, Hinduism is really the oldest religion. You know, Christianity, Islam, they just borrowed a lot from, uh, from Hinduism, and that's where you get your religion. But when you get down to it, ask yourself, what do these religions have in common? Do you really think that the Lord God Jehovah that we worship is the same God called Allah by the Muslims? I don't believe it is. Do we think that Allah is the same as Vishnu or all these other Hindu gods? Well, of course not. What do these religions have in common? When you dive down deeper into these religions, and we're not going to look at Islam or Hinduism, but you know, Islam wants to say, well, you know, we don't have divisions like Christians do. Oh, really? Go and read about the differences between a Sunni and a Shiite Muslim. And tell me again how Muslims aren't divided. Absolutely they are. Hinduism, with the caste system, saying depending on what caste you were born into, that's where you are for the rest of your life. You're either upper elite or you're scum of the earth. And they may not use that exact terminology, but that's basically what it teaches. There are divisions in those religions. But let's look at Christianity. When you think about Christianity, think about all the different groups that we have here. Think about Catholicism. Think about Catholics. Well, with Catholics, then you look at those, the, the Protestant Reformation, right? All those groups that came from that, the Lutherans, the Calvins, all of those groups. What do they have in common? Well, add on to that, you think about a group such as the Southern Baptists. You know, we have a lot of that around here. And let me make one point very clear. I am not suggesting this morning that the Church of Christ is a, just another denomination like these other groups. Don't misunderstand this. But the way the world would look at us, they would say, well, you're just another group of Christians, right? You're just another denomination. That's what the Church of Christ is, just another denomination of Christianity. How can all of these groups be truth? How many similarities do you think there are in doctrines between the different groups? Are there a lot of things that we share in common with, say, a, a Roman Catholic? 
or someone who goes to a Protestant church, do we share a lot of the same beliefs? I don't think we do. I think there are fundamental differences in the way that we look at scriptures, the way that we interpret scriptures, the way that we do things. There are fundamental differences that say, no, they are not the same. Well, how can they all be truth? The short answer answer is they can't. Not everything can be truth. And so what we have to make sure, we have to make sure that we have truth. That what we believe is truth. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. When we think about why is truth important, you know, I think the easiest answer would just be because Jesus says it's important. You know, we read John chapter 4 and verse 24, God is spirit. Those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. Absolutely, that is an argument that we can make. and, And really, that should probably be the only argument that we have to make. But let's think about from the book of Proverbs. Why is truth important? The word true and truth occurs about 13 times in the book of Proverbs. Now, if you'll remember, so far we've gone through wisdom, knowledge, and instruction. The number of times the word's been used has been less each time. Wisdom's the principal thing, knowledge and instruction, but truth is also very important in the book of Proverbs. Now, what's interesting about truth in Proverbs is that the majority of times it's used, it's talking about being truthful in your testimony, being truthful in the way that you deal with other people. Now, we're not going to talk about that necessarily this morning, but we understand the importance of that. You don't tell lies. You don't spread false teachings, false doctrines. You don't spread gossip. That's a lot of what we see in the book of Proverbs. But there are two passages in particular I want to look at when it comes to maybe God's truth or more of a universal truth. In Proverbs chapter 3, excuse me, in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 3, notice what the wise man says about truth here. He says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem, excuse me, in the sight of God and man. Here we see that truth is so important to both our relationship with each other. Do you want to be friends with a liar? Do you want to be a friends with somebody who you can't trust what they're saying? Well, of course not. Truth is so important for our relationship with each other, but truth is so vital to our relationship with God. If our relationship with God is not based upon truth, then we do not have a relationship with him. That's what the wise man tells us about truth. And, of course, the passage we often think in Proverbs of truth is in Proverbs 23. This is probably the first verse that came to your mind. It was when I was putting this lesson together. But Proverbs 23 and verse 23, notice how important truth is to the wise man. You know, we talked about how wisdom and knowledge, those things are like silver and gold. There be more to be desired than those things. Well, in 23 and verse 23, the wise man tells us, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Truth is so important that we are to do everything we can to make sure that we have truth. That idea there of buying truth. You know, it implies that truth can can come at a cost, doesn't it? 
the idea of buy the truth, it can cost you some things. It can cost you. It can cost you friends. It can cost you, it can cost you uh, beliefs. It can cost you a lot of different things. But buy the truth. And once you have truth, you don't let anything take it away from you. You don't give truth away. You don't give it up. You buy the truth and do not sell it. That's how important truth is. So the wise man tells us truth is very important for our relationship to God. And truth is important for us to make sure that we're doing the, what, the things that God wants us to do. The way he wants them done. It must be based upon truth. Well, for the rest of our time this morning, let's ask ourselves the question, where do we get truth? Where is truth? We understand the wise man says truth is out there. You know, you can find truth just as you can find wisdom. You can get knowledge. You can get instruction. Where do you get these things? Well, I think the answer is simple, don't you? It's through God's Word. God's Word is truth. John 17, verse 17, an oft-quoted verse, a very important verse for us. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. If we want to know something, if we're curious, if we want to find out what God says about something, go to the Bible. Because in the Bible is where you're going to find truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And it's not just little portions of God's word. It's God's word in its entirety. Look over at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. When you think of Psalm 119, what's the first thing you think about? What's the longest chapter in the Bible? Well, of course it is. It is. I'm not taking that away from it. But go through sometime and just read Psalm 119 and notice how much emphasis is placed upon knowing and meditating God's Word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Through your precepts I am warned. Think about all the different ways he talk, the, the, the psalmist talks about God's word. Well, in verse 160, notice what he says about, about God's word, about truth. He says, the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Where do we find truth? We go to God's word. That's where truth is. That's where we find truth. Where do we get it from? It has to come from God's word. Jesus tells us that he is truth. In John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, not a truth. He's not one of the truths. And we make this point all the time, but I think it's important to understand this. We live in a society, like I said, that wants truth to be so relative. Have you seen the bumper stickers that say coexist? And what they're saying is, why can't we all just get along? 
You know, we've got the Muslims, we've got science, we've got atheists, we've got Christians, we've got Jews, we've got all these different religious groups. Let's just all come together. Let's just hug, embrace, and sing Kumbaya. That's what people want. You can't do that. Because Jesus is the truth. He is the only truth. If we want access to God, he is the only way that we're going to get access. So any group that claims that Jesus is not the Son of God, what does that tell us? That's not true. Any group that says, well, you know, you can come to Christ, but really we need to go through Mary first, or we need to go to another one of these saints, what does that tell us? That can't be true. If a group says, no, Jesus was a good person, but he really wasn't the Messiah, what does that tell us? That is not truth. Do we have truth? Jesus is the truth. In John chapter 8 and verse 31 through 32, Jesus tells us something about the truth that he offers. You remember here in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking with the Jews. And he's, some of them are actually starting to believe in him. Some of them are actually starting to come around. They're thinking maybe he can be the Messiah. Maybe he is the one that we've been looking at. Because in verse 31 it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice the correlation that Jesus draws here. If you want truth... You have to abide in Jesus' words. That's where truth is found. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I think so many times we focus on verse 32. 32 is a great verse. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It is an absolutely great verse. But don't miss the link in verse 31. You shall know the truth. How do we know the truth? If we abide in the words of Christ. That's the only way that we know truth. Jesus is the truth. His words are truth. God's words are truth. As we think about truth further in the, in the, the epistles, look over at Ephesians chapter 6. And really this could have been why truth is important. But in Ephesians chapter 6, remember Paul is talking about putting on the whole armor of God, that we can stand, that we can be that proper soldier of God. Do we know what truth does for us? Look at verse 14. He says, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. You know what that's telling us? Truth is the sash. Truth is the belt that binds all of these pieces together. He goes on to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what good is a breastplate going to be if it's not fastened, if it's not tied? What good is that going to do if your armor's loose, if it's not protecting the way it should? Truth is that which binds the whole armor of God together. If it's not based upon truth, then the armor will not withstand the wiles of the devil. If our armor is missing a piece, then we don't have the whole armor of God. It has to be Truth. Truth is that which ties it together. Psalms 91, David describes truth in a different way. Talking about the idea of being armor and being protection. In Psalm 91, David calls it a buckler. He calls it our shield. In chapter 91 and verse 4, notice what, the, what he says here. 
It says, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. It's that which protects. Because truth does not change. Truth is is there. It is always truth. God's word does not change. The truth that we have here is the same truth that the the apostles preached back in the day of Pentecost. And for however long this earth is in existence, it's the same truth that will be out there. Truth is a shield. It's the thing that ties the armor of God together. It protects those who have his word. That is what truth is. But how do we respond to truth? We talked earlier about how truth draws a hard line. A lot of people, a lot of times, people don't like truth. Understand that when we talk about truth, absolutely, we speak the truth out of love. And I think that's something that maybe I know I've felt at before, maybe you have as well. We can tell truth, but it cannot be out of love. Paul talks about speak the truth in love. But understand this. Truth does not compromise. Truth does not change. Paul also says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? There'll be people out there that don't want to hear truth. No matter how nice you are about it, no matter how concerned you are about it, they just don't want to hear truth. Understand that that is the way some people respond. But how do we respond to truth? When we look at God's word and we see the truth contained within it, how do we respond to it? This morning, I'd like to suggest to you that there are three ways that we can respond. Now, is this an exhaustive list? Of course not. But there are three ways that we can respond. And I think the best place to look at this is in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 tells us exactly the three ways people can respond to truth. If you remember here, this is when Paul is talking to the Areopagus. He's in Athens. He's preaching, and of course, this is where he comes across, and there's that monument to the unknown God, right? And Paul begins teaching to him, and he says, I'm going to tell you about that God that you don't know about. Well, look in verse 32. Paul talks, and he preaches, and he tells them all about Jesus. He talks about the resurrection of the dead. And in verse 32, it says, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead. Now, is that truth? Absolutely, it's truth. Go and read 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ is not raised from the dead, why are we here? What's the point? Our entire religion is based upon the truth, remember fact or reality, the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, here's the truth here. Paul's preaching, he says, there's going to come a day where God is going to raise people from the dead. And when they heard that, notice, some mocked. It says, others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul, departed, so Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined and believed. Among them Dionysius the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Notice first, some mocked. Some just laughed at him and said, there's no resurrection from the dead. You know, that, 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 yes, that, you may think that is truth, but, but we don't believe that. And so we think that is the most ridiculous thing that you could ever hear. Some just mocked them. Understand, some people will mock the truth. 
Some people will mock the truth because they did not receive a love of the truth. I remember it's been many years ago, but I was at a funeral. And the person preaching the funeral, he wasn't a, a true New Testament preacher. And he was talking, and he, he had to mention baptism in his, his talk. And he said, what good is baptism? It just gets you wet. Well, when I read the Bible, the Bible tells me that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's what I read. That's the truth found in God's Word. How did he feel about that? It just gets you wet. There was a president of the Southern Baptist Convention. can't remember his name. I'll have to look it up if you want to know. But he is quoted as saying, it is a puny God who needs water to save. That's mocking. And what the Bible says, God is not mocked. But the truth found in God's word, how do people react to that? Some mock. Some laugh. They ridicule. That's the way it is. Some people reject truth. But did you notice the second thing there? Some say, you know, we want to hear this again. Okay, we're not just going to completely outright reject it. We're not just going to completely mock or ridicule. But, but we just want to talk to you some more about it. Now, let me say this. There is nothing wrong with someone saying, hey, I want to talk to you more about something. Can we study something more? That's great. If you're unsure about something, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't question, right? That's not what I'm saying here at all. But there will be some that no matter how much you show them in the Scripture, no matter how much you study with them, they will not accept truth. Paul warns about that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, as Paul is warning his son in the faith about what he's going to endure as a minister, in chapter 3, remember he talks about the perilous times are going to be coming. In verse 1 he says, In the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And he goes on and lists out a laundry list of things that people are going to be guilty of. Now just in that in verse 2 what we read, <laughs> are we living in perilous times today? <laughs> well, of course we are. Absolutely. But notice there in verse 7 one of the things that Paul says. He says there are going to be some people, he says, always learning. They're always wanting to learn never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is Paul warning us here? Well, just like he said there in Acts chapter 17, he tells them truth. We want to hear you again on this matter. You know, we'll discuss this more. Well, at some point, at some point, a person has a a choice to make. Either they accept truth or they reject it. They have that choice. They have to come to that point eventually. Anytime I'm studying with somebody who's coming out of a denomination or coming out of I just don't believe God at all, at some point there has to be a question or there has to be a decision made. Am I going to believe the Bible or am I not? There have been many times, and maybe you've seen this as well, I just want to talk some more about it. I want to study some more about it. 
you have all the evidence you need. You have the evidence here. You know, we can keep studying and we can keep talking and we can sh- I can show you all of these things, but at some point you have to make a choice. Paul says there are people out there, they're always learning, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm not going to sit here today and say that everybody in Acts chapter 17 who said, we'll hear you again on this matter. I'm not saying that none of them ever came to the knowledge of truth. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that there are people out there who no matter how much you study with them, no matter how much you show them this is what God's Word says, no matter how much they may agree with you, they have to make the choice to either accept it or reject it. It's up to them. And the sad thing is, Paul says there are going to be people... There will be people out there who, who they want to learn, but they'll never apply it. They'll never take that step. Whatever that step is, they'll never take that step. Some people just, they won't flat out reject the truth, but they'll never accept it either. And that's a sad state. But notice Paul says there were some who believe. In Acts 17, it says some scoffed, some mocked. Some said, we'll talk to you more about this. But it says some believed. Some believed and they joined themselves with Paul. There are some who will come to the truth. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, Paul says that God wants everyone to repent and come to the knowledge of truth. Some people will accept it. Some people won't reject it. Some people won't be wishy-washy. They will accept truth. So how do we respond to truth? Take out your psalm book and turn the number that Brother Chris selected. We've already referenced this verse, but we'll reference again. God wants us to come to the knowledge of truth. God wants us to accept truth. Not just any truth. The truth based upon God's Word. But He knows not everybody will. He knows not everybody will believe truth. But brethren, I believe that we know this already, but truth is the only thing that will set us free from the bondage of sin. The truth found in God's Word is the only thing that can set us free. So this morning I have two questions for you to end the sermon. Are you still in bondage to sin? Remember how Paul talks about you're going to be a slave to something. Either you're a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. This morning ask yourself, what are you serving? Are you still in bondage to sin? Then ask yourself, are we, are we following truth or are we following a lie? What do we believe? This morning, as with the rest of these lessons, they haven't been talking about how to become a Christian. We made reference to it, absolutely. But this morning, if you're here and you need to be buried in the waters of baptism, that is, that, that is what puts you into Christ. And if you want that relationship, then we're here and we're happy to to assist you in that way. But for those of us that are Christians, once again, ask yourself, am I following truth or am I following a lie?
That's why it's so important that John tells us you, you test the spirits. You don't just accept it. You don't just accept it because the door or the sign says Church of Christ. You don't just accept it because it's a, it's a preacher you've known all your life or you really like a preacher. You don't just accept it for that. You accept it because it's what you read in God's Word. And if it's not, you speak up. You challenge it. Because as I've said, and I'll continue to say, if it's a Bible question, there's going to be a Bible answer. And we can all come to the knowledge of the truth. This morning, if there's something in your life that's separating you from God, if there's something you need help with, if you're struggling, if you want the prayers of the saints, if you want to study more, if there's anything that we can do, we're here and we want to help. This morning, if you're here in your subject invitation, will you let us know as we stand and as we sing this song?